Hopped Up Gaming. One thing that's a bit different about this podcast versus the other, a lot of the other podcasts is that this one's actually local to uh, Vancouver. So it's really nice being in the same room with people. It makes it a lot easier to do jokes and not cut each other off because you can constantly make eye contact, make hand motions, and there's just a comfort of being in your own city that lets you podcast well. They are located near International Village, which, surprisingly, is actually a mall. A very weird mall. that Stuff just doesn't survive there. It's a lot of weird, shady shops. And they also have a game developer in there called Piranha Games. They make MechWarrior Online, which I really enjoyed and have had a lot of great time playing Sitting on my mechs, blasting other mechs. I haven't played it in a while, but I had a great time initially. And there's also a Japanese dollar store there, which is a great place. I got Christmas gifts at this Japanese dollar store before going up there. Had Christmas all figured out from a Japanese dollar standpoint. And had a great time with Hopped Up Gaming. They... I believe talked met me at a the Vancouver Meetup Full Indie, which is a great place, and said, "Hey, do you want to be on a podcast?" And of course, I said yes. I told him I didn't drink, which is true, and I just felt like I d- didn't want to get into a beer podcast without them knowing that I have very limited experience with beer, which is close to none. And yeah, I had a great time. They're great guys, and here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Hopped Up Gaming, a fair podcast about liquor, video games, and all other kinds of pop culture nonsense. Once again, I am your host, Chris Norris. I got, after a long absence, directly in front of me, one Mr. Emery. Hey, and I'll be directly beside you for life, because we're friends. Besties. Besties forever. Uh, live via Skype, one Mr. Bill. Hey, you remember to introduce me this time. And a uh, special guest, a uh, programmer from Red Hook Interactive, uh, one of the programmers behind Darkest Dungeon, if not the main programmer behind Darkest Dungeon. We have two. We don't like titles. Okay. One of the guys, what does the Darkest Dungeon mm-hmm. stuff, uh, Mr. Kier Morin. It's Kier Morin, but Damn hey, how's it, it going? Uh-huh. You got the first name. And right? I think That's you the... called Bill Mr. Bill, but he's a doctor. I, I, I call Bill whatever I really feel yeah. like calling him. Yeah. I have, I have I had my, uh, my medical doctor taken away from me. Yeah, maybe. How's your day going, Kier? It's going good. We've, we've had some, some good preamble discussions, getting ourselves mm-hmm. ready for this podcast, yeah. so I'm impressed we haven't scared you away already. No, I thought that was part of the podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe we should have kept that, maybe. Yeah. That sounds like exclusive content for your premium backers. Yeah. <laughs> the, DL, the DLC. When are we going to start a Patreon and getting some of that sweet internet cash? Never. That's, that's probably not a good idea. Why would you say something <laughs> like that? You're leaving money, like, 
off the table or on the table, I could and be you're getting, not taking money off the table. That's how that uh, analogy works. I could be getting seven whole dollars a month to spend on candy. I, I, I don't know, man. I was looking at this one guy who was doing like an LP, uh, a Let's Play, if you will. That's not what I think when I hear LP, but yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. He was doing an LP. By the way, Run the Jewels 2 is really good. Okay. Um, He was doing Let's Plays, and he's making like $1,500 a month. Just saying. We should get in on that internet money? Yeah, we should get in on this internet money. Some of that money. internet t-shirt money? I We've been sitting on the sideline complaining about Kickstarters, but what we really should be doing is like putting our principles into action Just and joining getting money. Okay. Yeah. So you guys don't do the integrated ads about Squarespace or NatureBox? Uh, uh, I sometimes talk about... what's What are the things that I often advertise? Uh, Crusader Kings 2. Crusader Kings 2 in the Fast and the Furious series. But that's all pro boner work because they don't <laughs> they don't get enough uh, coverage normally. Uh, I, I do some I do some good work for the the gin industry. You do some really bad work for Domino's Pizza as well. Oh yeah, I do some really. Did I tell you guys about my most recent Domino's experience? You God, did not. No. I would love to hear about well, it. Well, there's two actually. Uh, so I, I think I told you guys about when I, I was on my way to work in the morning and uh, I was very hungover. And uh, I spewed out the window of this cab I was in. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah? Uh, and then the cab driver gave me uh, gave me some Domino's napkins from his glove box. <laughs> you were going to say off. a Domino's pizza coupon. You <laughs> <laughs> won the prize. Take this and go with God. Are you sure he wasn't a delivery? But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so I had another encounter with my Domino's driver. Uh, <laughs> The same guy who's been here like every single time. There's, yeah. there's a Domino's that's like not that far from my house, so mm-hmm. it's, but it's really small. So I imagine they've only got like two delivery drivers. Yeah, and uh, so this guy came over. I ordered a pizza, and it like came really fast, like way faster than I thought it would. So I wasn't dressed, um, and I also <laughs> I also happened to have an erection. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so I, yeah. threw, I threw on my I threw on my shorts and my shirt real quick, and I just I, I tucked her up. You know? Yeah, yeah, but it never works like that. Well, I mean, it's it wasn't it wasn't out. Like I didn't expose myself to this guy, but like the thought was there in my mind that that might happen. So he, he <laughs> Describe the, the elasticity of the the shorts you were wearing at the time. Uh, they it was an elastic waistband. These were okay. Yeah, kind of um, like a the sweatpants of shorts kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this guy comes to the door. I get my pizzas, and then he goes, "Oh, I forgot the receipt." Uh, and then just runs back to his car and speeds off. Like, I did not sign for my pizza. I didn't tip the guy. Like, oh, no. So, oh, Billy, I'm just like, you've, man, this guy... I've been putting this guy through the ringer. You've elevated to, like, serial killer status here. Yeah, yeah this is a, a Domino's delivery guy in Oakland who is afraid of you. <laughs> I mean, I, just some weird shit goes on around the Domino's here, man. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely Domino's fault so that you can't, like, tuck in your junk. You can't oh, be presentable to human beings. Pizza, you, like, yeah. So you got the pizza for free. No, no, it, it just charged no tip. to me. I just didn't, I, I wasn't able to tip the guy, and I never signed for the purchase, mm-hmm. so if I wanted to dispute it, I could have. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I feel bad for that guy, because he's just... Every time he comes here, something happens. Bill, yeah. you're living a hero's life. I'm always impressed yeah. by your Domino stories. I'm pretty sure the shirt I was wearing had like a bunch of curry stains on it. Mm-hmm. Bad. As you're wont to do. Yeah. So uh, we we brought a drink today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kira, you don't drink beer, so we brought the the non-alcoholic variety of root beer. Mm-hmm. Matt, what did you bring us today? Well, you you have all the 
the bottles facing away from me, so well, then, I, I actually don't know. Well, then turn them around. Okay, well, uh, so I brought Phillips, uh, one of our favorite brands, uh, the Intergalactic Root Beer, uh, and it's crafted with real, crane sh- uh, real, crane. real, grain. real, real cane sugar and herbs. Okay. Or herbs. Is it going any herb definition here? Yeah. Uh, let's <laughs> see. Oh, yeah, we actually have some here. Okay, we got your carbonated water. A very powerful herb. Your cane sugar, your molasses, right? Your uh, Madagascar bourbon pure vanilla extract. Mmm. Sarsaparilla, licorice root. All right, now we're getting into citric we're getting into acid here. and we're, oil of wintergreen. All right, now we're getting to the dark times here. Yeah. Here, do you do you drink much of the weird root beers as someone who doesn't drink normal um, alcohol? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had. I, I kind of lump them in with the uh, kind of fancy sodas. Okay. So the Fenomens and the... Yeah, I'm actually the... kind of into them too now. I remember when I was a kid, and I thought like, oh, what would I do if I was rich? And this is literally what I thought. I would get exotic juices. Okay. I would just drink exotic juices. Like, like fancy provider, or like fancy juices themselves, like yes. fancy fruits. Yeah, fancy fruits. Some of that dragon fruit juice. Yeah, I don't think dragon fruit juice is particularly good. I don't know. I am a guava man. It's not that expensive, though. Yeah. It's like... I, mean, I, I was a, a, a child, juice. though, so, like, everything seemed expensive to me, and, like, I've never really gotten beyond that point of development where, like, here are other things I need, so I still think about fancy juices a lot. Yeah. Okay. I mean, do you think that the fancy juice is really just, like, a metaphor for your struggles in life? Yeah, probably. That's the brass ring, the fancy like, juice. Like, every, everyone is reaching for that pomegranate, you know? And it's, like, it's hard on the outside, and then you open it up, and you realize that it's, like... Although the juice is there, it's it's a lot harder to eat than you thought it it's would just be. Kind of gross. I, I don't actually know that I've ever had it, an actual pomegranate. I had a pomegranate in China. By the way, guys, I I was in China. Uh, like that's month, why I was gone for like a yeah. good long time. Yeah, they have yeah. pomegranates there. So what up? Uh, we'll 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 get to your China excursions okay. in a little bit. So Kier, hey hey, how's it going? Good. How are good. you? Happy to have you here. Thank you. Uh, so Darkest Dungeon is shooting for an early access release in a couple of months. Yes. Uh, I mean. Couple is a variable term, but mm-hmm. I think I think we're some number of currently months. looking around February okay. of the 2015. So, what do you guys do when you got a couple of months away until, if not the release, something is is on the docket? I mean, we're still throwing stuff in there. Okay, so um, you guys aren't like I, I I always mess the terms up. You guys are like alpha locked. You guys have all the content in, or you guys aren't there yet. We're we're really close. It's kind of we're still at the point though where like we're playing it and going like, oh, it'd be cool if we did this or like we recently added drag and drop. Okay. Like I don't know when that Good normally call. falls into the With development schedule, drop, but does that mean you're looking also into maybe like an iPad or a like Android release as well? Uh, Is this the kind of game that can be played like on an iPad? Yeah, we we haven't we haven't committed to any platforms other than PC and PCs our main focus. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we we have ideas for many platforms, and it's something we'd like to do in the future. But getting that PC version, which is going to be Windows, Mac, and Linux, right, is our mm-hmm. kind of main priority, and will definitely dictate what we do in the future. So, when you're developing, and you're at this point where you are, uh, as someone who's kind of curious with uh, programming, when you are modifying something, are you modifying like the big like backbone of your engine, or are you just kind of picking certain modules or whatever, and you're just slowly developing those. Like, is the, the central part of your game done? I'd say, I'd say the core is done. Yeah. Um, 
but given our game is very procedural and there's lots yeah. of things working together, um, it's it's really we were probably done like months ago as mm. far as like going on a quest, getting quirks, mm. getting loot, buying upgrades for buildings. Right. But it's those nuances that are really what's going to pay it off to the mm. player. But I mean, it most of the time now we're kind of adding yeah stuff onto the game. Uh, I mean, you, we run into the times where it's like, oh, the text rendering isn't right. Right. So I'm going to put something in there so it doesn't put a space on a new line, mm-hmm. which which is huge given how much text we have. Right, right. But, um, yeah, we're not making too many risky changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, we're adding a lot of stuff, like adding Steam support, adding analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, that type of stuff is kind of more getting put in after the fact. Do you find that it's harder to test with a procedural like generated game because you can't go back well i guess you can go back to like the same seed or something like that but yeah we we have um yeah we 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 can like redo seeds mm-hmm. which um is kind of a concept of a random number generator because it's not actually random it's just like a order of numbers that are coming out that appear to be random so you can do those again um if you're able to save the seed and reimplement it but um i mean we don't have automated testing mm-hmm. on darkest dungeon which would be something that probably don't have time to add mm-hmm. and would be something i would have strived to do differently on an on another game this would be like i feel a very basic question how would automatic testing work in the context of darkest dungeon i mean what i understand i've never actually wrote written a automatic testing in a game but the way i'd imagine it would work is you'd turn off rendering so you could run the game way faster because most of your time is actually is rendering out the rendering all images. the textures mm-hmm. and text and that's kind of the most of the game loop and then you could run the game at an absurd speed and run every hero through every quest through every dungeon through every monster and then you could just check that nothing's completely weird completely broken um and then you'd return cases that would fail and then you'd you'd have to go fix them yourself Mm -hmm. but um Do do you find you're doing like a lot of that kind of stuff where you're just finding individual things that are failing or is it more general kind of system level stuff well we don't we don't really have a qa department so the the kind of bug reports are i played the game and it crashed (laughs) yeah or i was doing this or i think this would happen and then you'd kind of go in there and try and repo it yourself Mm -hmm. but it would save a lot of time to know that when you finish a kill boss quest with eight torches that the raid results animations wrong is it just you guys queuing right now or do you guys kind of have some some closed beta testers going through uh it's just us um testing right now so um, i imagine it'll be somewhat of a crucible when you guys go early access we're gonna we're gonna be doing like a close super close friends and family okay like it doesn't even exist to most people mm-hmm. just to make sure it works yeah um because we only have so many computers yeah. to to test on so so to you and this is like a kind of a really hot topic what is early access because obviously you, you want your game to be good and i'm, I'm actually i'm looking forward to your game because i think it's really interesting thank you but like at what point do you go this is what i'm willing to show like my hardcore early adopter fans like how do you guys decide that i mean that that decision is uh is kind of a chris and tyler who i don't know if you guys met uh that work on the game there we've had chris on the show before yeah yeah yeah. um good guy that's that that was kind of their call Mm-hmm. Um, but we definitely are striving to have enough there that like, we're kind of almost setting like our goals, mm-hmm. like 
we want it to be at least for the first week because we're going to be adding content entertaining mm-hmm. enough that we can have players play for a certain amount of hours and still feel mm-hmm. like they're finding new things mm-hmm. and and experiencing new stuff about the game but it's really tough for like every game is its own thing and mm-hmm. i mean we're definitely trying to shoot for the more complete side of early access yeah um oh, good that sounds awesome and we're also going to not let you finish it which is something which is that good i think yeah yeah which is something that every time we've said seems to be well mm-hmm. received um as we just witnessed <laughs> yeah no that um didn't Crypto the Necro, uh, Necro Dancer do that for their early access? Yeah, the the game is not fully completed as that's been yeah, but like put the out. first world, yeah, or whatever. Is I want to say the second world just got introduced recently, yeah. but it was I think just the first world um, for the early access. I think that's a pretty good model because you have the kind of the advantages of a rolling release type like scheme, yeah. but at the same time you're not asking people to pay for it over and over again, and people mm-hmm. start wondering if there's diminishing returns or whatever. Like you already have it. But then you get to show all of these extra like levels of complexity as you go through these, I guess, yeah. levels. And I think it's yeah. a great way of spreading word of mouth too. Yeah, true. If you have, a, true. If you have a good like piece or a good vertical slice mm-hmm. or section of the game that's really well received, you can get more interest in it without having to have the full game out as of yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're uh, like we're launching with three dungeons and I think ten heroes, nice. and we're gonna have sixteen du- or sixteen heroes and five dungeons. Yeah. Um, but we're saving the darkest dungeon, which is kind of the end game. Yeah. And it's going to require multiple playthroughs to finish. Yeah. So we're saving that for final release. Cool. So awesome. you're going to need to have a certain amount of guys ready for when we do final release to even beat the game. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of giving you stuff to work towards. And we're never going to talk about the darkest dungeon, so you're not really at any advantage or disadvantage. Yeah. Um, cool. But we wanna we wanted to, like... Uh, yeah, we wanted to save that and have it make the final release also better, like and exciting for somebody who's already bought the game to come back and play again. How about for yourself? Uh, are you at a point where you've played that game so many times that you just you kind of have it completed in your head? Or are there certain playthroughs that you kind of prefer? I it's, I mean, we don't we don't have the darkest dungeon done, so like I don't I don't even know what I'm gonna need. Yeah, like none of us really do. Good like point. we're we're still working on it, and and also it's when we're programming like. The, the playtesting we're we're just starting to really strive for is the I played the game for three hours. Okay. Because the way I, I most of the time play the game is fire it up, boot directly into the dungeon, run it at eight times speed. Yeah. Get to what I need to test, test it, it works. Check yeah, it in. Just good. Definitely a different experience yeah. than what the final product is going <clears> to <throat> be. Yeah. Yeah. How do you normally play games? I'm kind of as someone who can construct games. Are you someone who has to solve the whole thing? Or do you just sample? Um, I usually want to complete or, or somewhat complete a game mm. that I play. Like most, like I kind of keep a stack of. Well, now I'm not doing physical games, but yeah. we keep a stack like of games stack, and try yeah. and work through them. And you'd have some games that like I haven't finished that mm. always end up on that stack. But yeah. like I, I usually try to finish like finish them. Mm. Uh, the odd game I'll try and hundred percent. Usually when I don't like the game as much as other people, for some reason I want to like play it like Mass Effect Two. Why. Yeah, and the first Batman, I didn't like as much as really. I, I didn't like as much as everybody else. Like they're fine yeah. games, but so then like I've hundred percent in Mass Effect two, and then so that means you have like a more solid footing to critique it on. Yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah, I I do that too actually. Like sometimes if I start reading a book I really don't like, but like a friend of mine has 
suggested, I'll finish the book and then like my criticism will be extra pointed because I'm, <laughs> I'm a dick, I guess. You'll have more full reasons to yeah, tell exactly. why you hated it. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. That's cool. Just is po- it? Is no, it cool? It's, it's, it's very telling about you as a human being yeah. more so, I suppose. <laughs> do you look at games differently as someone who makes them now? Like, do you think, uh, do you, do you experience games differently as someone who, who programs and makes them now than opposed to when you were, I don't know, a teenager or a kid and you, you weren't making games? I try not to. Like, that's something I really try to still enjoy games. Like, I know more about them now, but I still want to watch E3 press conferences. And I still want to play the games. And and I'll look at certain things. Like, I'll look at... Like, have you guys watched the Last of Us documentary? No, I should, though. That's really good. Um, But a person's talking about spending two years on their UI or scrapping it and redoing it. And they have, like, a team of four people. Or whatever, however many people work on it. Yeah. And I look at stuff like that, and I'm like, it's just squares and text. And like, <laughs> like it's Up so simple. Like, yeah. Like, how does it... Like, I can't... Because I never really worked on a huge game, so mm-hmm. I can't... I don't understand how you can spend that much time on something like that. That's that super interesting, though. But that's what I'm noticing. Because yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm used to, like... Like, I worked on a mobile game before this, mm-hmm. and it's like, four, like 40 screens, mm-hmm. uh, all done... Redone three times? Mm-hmm. And that is like I was pretty much the only programmer on it to do that stuff. So yeah. it's like I don't understand how you can have like an eight square drop down menu, right? <laughs> and Man. spend two years on it. But yeah, I mean, stuff like that's super interesting. But I definitely still want to enjoy games. I want to be excited about games. More, more on that lines. Are there any games and or any series that you're still like a huge fanboy of? Things that like you still get super excited about? Um, I mean, my favorite developer is probably Platinum. Yeah. Uh, so anything Platinum does. Do you have a Wii U yet? I'm sorry. I'm getting a Wii U for for Smash Bros. and Bayonetta um, two, and then I'll pick up Bayonetta two for yeah. that. I'm kind of um, in the same camp you are. Actually. I can't. I can't believe this has happened. Like I was away for a month, and we went from everyone shitting on the Wii U. Like, oh, there a was com- a there was a gentle sea change. I think we were I, starting to come around before you left. But I no, don't know, was- man. I I don't think I. Rec- I do not recall you saying, oh, I'm going to get a Wii U until after... Bayonetta 2? After Bayonetta 2. You might be right. That might have been the thing that finally pushed um, me over. I, I don't recall anyone really hating on the Wii U. Um, I, I think that the Wii U is just something, much like the Wii, that we just push to the wayside. Like, it's not... I think we need to go back into the archives, <laughs> and we need to hear some shit, and I think <laughs> there were some people who called it a failed system. I remember being very surprised. Oh, when I've I was, definitely called it a failed system. Yeah, when we, I think we were talking to Alex, and he had said that he had a, a Wii U, and I was like, "That's really interesting," because there are no games for it. And now he has a Wii U, and he can play all these really great games. And everyone else with their PS4s and their Xbox Ones is just are just, just sitting here. At them. When when did the uh, when did the Wii U actually come out? Oh god, uh, I should know. It was, it was a release that like happened and I didn't even notice. It yeah. was two years ago. It was two, two years, years. Yeah, yeah, it was actually oh, almost man. two years ago exactly. Yeah. 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 I, so I mean, that is that is a very long time for a console to be out for it to just start having like a bunch of games worth playing. True. Very no- true. Normally, normally there's like a year of dog shit, mm-hmm. and then like solid releases start coming out. But uh, two years is a very long time. Yeah. I, I mean, if you think about that, like, think about like uh, you know if the so the Xbox 360 came out in 2005. Yep. If you think like all the way to 2007 before there was anything worth playing for the Xbox 360, that would be crazy. Viva Pinata is worth playing. Yeah. 
Nice. <laughs> a number of people who I don't necessarily agree with, they argue that like the first real 360 game was Gears of War, which came out almost exactly a year after the original mm-hmm. 360 started yeah. coming out. I remember playing that uh, in first year, like in your dorm room. Yep, yep, you were Damn. right there playing it with me. But I, I don't. I think the Wii is. It's kind of just the course that Nintendo's kind of mm-hmm. been on. Like, like people were complaining about the releases for the Wii. When it was out, but and the the 3ds, everyone was saying that the 3ds was a piece of shit, and then oh, uh, my, my, I, I really enjoy my 3ds actually. Yeah, no, it, it sounds like it's a really great system. I want to get a 3ds now, and I haven't wanted to get like a portable system in a long ass time. Yeah, I, I enjoy my 3ds. It's pretty good. I'm gonna have to buy some stuff for when I go on I, a trip soon. I think that I think that Nintendo is just, um, and, and this is true of their of their general corporate policy, is just a conservative company, and mm. they're not making they're not making big bets. Well, like, I, like I, they're I, not they're not releasing a a five hundred dollar piece of hardware, right? Like, and hoping that people will buy it. That's mm. true, but like that the the portable system was first. They had we're going to put two screens on there for no reason, Well, not no reason, but everyone thought it was for no reason, and then they followed it up. And I I would say that yeah, probably Wii U was a pretty conservative move, but uh, the 3ds though. Where they were like, we're going to give you actual real 3D, and that was kind of a failed experiment, because no one really cared. But it was cares. a neat failed experiment. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things where, like, I I couldn't really imagine Sony or, yeah. uh, or until, Microsoft doing Until those reports started coming out that young children were having their eyes fused or whatever it was <laughs> by looking at the 3D. Oh, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Apparently, apparently the, the, one of the reasons why they eventually created the 2DS was because there were a lot of uh, health issues coming out with young children whose eyes are still not fully... F- like developed, mm-hmm. so to speak, using the 3D and having them get a little fucky. <laughs> the so- Soviets are taking our precious fluids. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. But I, I want to disagree that Nintendo doesn't make uh, big bets, so to speak. Like I know it was a while back, but I want to say the, the original Wii was maybe one of the biggest bets that a, that a video game hardware company had made in a long time. Because they were actively going away from the traditional demographic of hardcore gamers and going into a very untapped market and it really worked for them well it, it, it wasn't like something that. they stumbled into though. yeah like they got really lucky that you know they released this thing and it had motion controls and you know the first stuff that they had was like morio and stuff like that mm-hmm. they had uh twilight princess eventually uh and it wasn't until a lot of the like you had your your rock band kind of stuff that it, i think it really went up like exploded and went I, crazy. I disagree. Like, I think uh, the Wii was the hardest console to find for a, a long time after its release, and that wasn't so much true for the PS3, the 360. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember when the Wii was coming out. Like I bought it day of, like like yeah. midnight, because I was looking at it and going, "This thing's going to be nothing." This but is crazy. Nothing Future. but Katamari Damacy all the time. Yeah. This is going to be nuts. <laughs> yeah. It it's it's cheap. Like let's do this. Yeah. Let's um, see what comes of it. But they released more games in that first two years than of worth playing than they ever did on the GameCube, which is why I was confused. Yeah. People were complaining. Yeah. They released a Mario Kart, a Smash, Mario Galaxy, like yeah. a Zelda. Even though Twilight Princess is kind of in between the it, platforms, I yeah. played that one on the GameCube. But yeah, no, I get where you're coming from. Am I the only one that doesn't like hate the GameCube? Like, Every time someone brings GameCube up the GameCube, you just say that it has a handle, like that means yeah. something. That's that's always <laughs> your defense of the GameCube. I enjoy the GameCube. There are some good games on that system, but the handle is not the thing that makes it. No. But e- but even the GameCube, like it wasn't the leading third party. No, that was that was third of three in that generation, definitely. Like I don't remember this Super Nintendo or the N sixty four era, but it seemed like it was kind of the same. Like Tony Everything Hawk was worse about the GameCube 
I think was a mistake. Like using <laughs> small discs instead of like DVDs or whatever to try to get around piracy or whatever, mm-hmm. I think was a mistake. Uh, how so? I, I'm, I'm actually asking because I don't know the technical Because it costs it. way more, and you have to actually go to Nintendo to get them to make the discs, right? Oh, uh, that's not a so good idea. So as a third-party developer, it's exactly the same thing that they had with uh, like the proprietary cartridges that pushed so many third-party developers away from especially the N64. Or just made it so much more expensive, yeah. They, they, yeah. Just kept, they kept giving third-party developers reasons to develop for someone else. Right, and because those discs were smaller, like they had to be smaller games... It was a less powerful system. Like ev- everything that they were doing seemed to not work in their favor. Nintendo plays yeah. by its own rules. Yeah, right. Yeah. Which Some is not necessarily the best. Like they they release really really good first party titles. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem is is that like there's only ever going to be so many of those. So when you're pushing away your third party developers, like you're really really forcing people to make a big decision when they buy a Nintendo Remember console. how the Wii U was supposed to be at parity? And how... No, nobody said that. Yeah, it isn't, right? But well, they, it's parity with the 360. Yeah, they It's they a little like, bit better we got than a the new, 360. Yeah. <laughs> we got, like, the new uh, Batman, and we're putting in Mass Effect 3, even though we didn't have Mass Effect 1 or 2. Yeah. Remember yeah. that? And that, there was, like, a, a small window, a very small window, where they were saying, for sure... Like, we have parody, and it just, like, evaporated. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, because, like, I feel like you should only buy Nintendo consoles to play the Nintendo games, Mm -hmm. and they've... Yeah, definitely. I don't know if they've intentionally done this, or they've just done this through quality. Every franchise they excel at, 3D platformer, kart racer, and a Smash Brothers-like game, Mm -hmm. nobody else can compete with. Mm -hmm. So, if you want to play the best 3D platformer out there, you're going to need to get a Nintendo Mm -hmm. system to do so. And they released twelve games. I'm kind of good with a yeah. I'm, I'm, console. I'm always happy with that just being the thing I break out every once in a while. Like it's what I did with the Wii. It's what I did with the GameCube. I, I just wonder on on their end if that's at all a sustainable business practice. They have so much money from the Wii. Like it's mm-hmm. not like they're spending. It's not like they're making all these big budget games and flopping. Like I'm willing to bet Mario Kart turned a good profit. Oh no, yeah, Mario Kart I think was huge, and it was the, it was it you was Mario what? Kart. That's what yeah, Mario you're Kart right. did. The, the first time someone saw a gif of, like, evil Luigi, like, drive-buying Peach or whatever, yeah. that's to, when to, the, the narrative yeah. of Wii U changed. I remember seeing that gif going, hmm, maybe I should get a Wii U, and then thinking about that thought going, oh god, it's happening. Like, oh wait, no, I'm just crazy. Yeah, you, I'm you, turning you, a corner on this. successfully advertised, too. Exactly. <laughs> it is perfect. Like, whenever I see something on the TV and I'm like, oh, man, I really want to eat that right now. It's like, oh, God. Go <laughs> it away, works. Lizard. Oh, God. You broke God your brain. Lizard brain. Yeah. So, yeah, Platinum's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, Platinum's pretty awesome. Also, Criterion. Anything yes. Platinum or Criterion's making? Are they? I'm, is Criterion just doing Need for Speed now? No. They're doing they, their own weird oh, thing. Oh, yeah, that they, they have that really weird explain. thing at like, yeah, E3 they kinda, where they're like, we don't even have a name for this. It's so future. It seems like they took the team and moved... 90% of it to yeah. Ghost right. or whatever, and then they're making Need for Speed games, and then mm-hmm. they're making something crazy. Right. But a Criterion or Platinum game is what I'd be the most excited to play. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was I was super cynical when I saw that Criterion press thing uh, at E3 earlier this year. Well, it, it wasn't... It, well, not, 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 not cynical of the game itself, but cynical of the fact that it, it felt like 
Uh, was it Microsoft who brought them out? That was EA. That EA, was EA. That was it was EA, incredibly yeah. sad press yeah. conference when they were like, look at the art that we have. Yeah, exactly. It felt super cynical on EA's behalf because it was just like, no, we're, we got something. Criteria's doing something. I swear to God. Yeah, what are those kooky look guys at these, up to? Look at these art like assets. Guy to hang glider or whatever. Yeah. Like, okay, well, what does this mean? Yeah, it's just like, I'm super excited for whatever Criterion does. The Burnout games are some of my favorites of all time, but... I, I felt weird about that entire press conference mm-hmm. from EA. Yeah, I yeah. think they had to do that though because there were all those articles that came up beforehand that was like Criterion's done, Criterion shut down. Look yeah. at how sad it is. And I think they had to do something to be like, no, no, they're, no, they're still around. We're not like yeah. throwing out our second or third best developer, depending on how you count it. Yeah. Um, and a smaller Criterion team that's not limited to Need for Speed yeah. uh, or even Burnout is super exciting. Mm-hmm. Make another Black. Make Black 2. <laughs> mm, how about Burnout, but, I don't know, in space? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm into this. Okay. Spaceships crashing into each other? Spaceship yeah. drifting? Yeah. God, oh, Burnout my Paradise. God. Love Burnout right? Paradise. Oh, man. <laughs> Zero-G drifting? Yeah. Uh, so you playing anything these days, Kier? Uh I'm kind of switching between... Shadow, Shadow of Mordor or Shadows? Shadow, I believe. I believe Shadow of Mordor of Shadow. Um, and Destiny. I'm kind of flip-flopping between those two. How are you feeling about both? I'm really liking Shadow of Mordor. I think it's a very risky or like kind of abstract take at such a big budget. It's a very mm. interesting system that they've made in that game. They're, they've basically hedged all their bets on the Nemesis system, in my mind. Yeah. Which is... it's. It's the coolest thing about that game. I, I love that system to death. I think everything around that game isn't nearly as interesting, but I think the Nemesis system itself is so interesting that I'm, I'm willing to go back to that game. I think the Nemesis system is just Crusader Kings 2. <laughs> I think you need to go back to Crusader Kings 2. But can I decapitate somebody with a button press? Yeah, you can. Oh, okay. Maybe I'll yeah. do Crusader Kings I, I, I think too, you're talking about different things right here, though. Well, like, there's a little button that says, like, decapitate. Oh, no, no, I'm... Yeah. Like, he trips a guy and then chops off yeah. a orc's head. That's pretty good. Yeah. You, you you can sacrifice people to Odin if you're a pagan, right? And have a big feast about it. So how far are you in Shadow of Mordor? <laughs> okay, uh, I, yeah, got, yeah, to the, I right. got to the second area, um, controlling orcs now. That's the ability I got. That's really cool. That, that um, makes things kind of awesome. Do you, do you feel like I do about that game, though, that all the, the story missions and all the side quests... There's, there's not really a lot to them. Like, it all feels sort of like they're just tutorializing some of the cool things you can do. Yeah, I kind of wish they doubled down on and just removed the story missions. Yeah, I almost feel the same way. Um, I, I don't think any of the story stuff in that game really does Lord of the Rings justice or really is all that compelling. Yeah, I mean, I've only saw one dwarf and he looked kind of lame. <laughs> he was like a shorter dude. He was super jacked. Yeah, like... If I'm going to get into Lord of the Rings, I want tree people and I want mm-hmm. waterfalls and I want... Spiders like, and shit. Yeah, like, I want yeah. the crazy stuff. Like, that's what I would get excited when playing. Kind of like whenever I play a sci-fi game. Like, if you don't have aliens... Mm-hmm. What's the fucking point? Yeah. yeah. I should, oh, man. Yeah. I've played a little bit of Shadows of Mordor, and I'm a huge Lord of the Rings dork. Um, But, like, I, I feel like it could have been better if, like you said, they had just scrapped the story, basically, and just placed a ranger inside that, like, the War of the Ring, instead of giving them some larger task to do. Because all of those like secondary the, those like secondary missions around killing like orc captains and shit would have been very very cool um, if you, if there was no like greater story to participate in. Yeah, like I, I, I feel like I would have had enough fun doing that and not being like oh I gotta fucking do this story. I th- I think you would be disappointed though 
Like I'm disappointed though because like I, I'm so tired of having to play the same time period of Lord of the Rings games. Yeah, I. But like when I play GTA, I I barely play any of the story because I think most of the GTA stories are pretty dumb. Uh, yeah, but and they're I, dumb in a great way. Yeah, yeah dumb in a great way. They're I, up and I, down. There's some right. really good parts and some really dumb fucking parts. Uh, but if they were to remove the story, I would feel that it is just far too freeform. Yeah. Right? The, then, it, then it literally becomes the prostitute murder simulator that everyone talks about. <laughs> the story in Shadow of Mordor is really just a tutorial about the, the game mechanics you can do. Mm-hmm. Like, all the story missions are go kill a guy, go use these methods to kill a guy, mm-hmm. like, yeah, raise right. this guy through the ranks, and... The the coolest parts of the game are when you're like trying to kill one orc and then two other orcs show up and one of them gets lit on fire and runs away and then mm-hmm. he yeah, comes yeah. back with a scar on his face like super pissed off yeah and I like that that can happen during side missions and story missions yeah my my favorite stories from Shadow of Mordor are the ones that I created myself they're the ones yeah. where there was one captain who screwed me over like three or four times and no matter what just for like luck of the draw he would always end up being the one that killed me no. so he became my nemesis so to speak. And, like, there are kind of, like, parts in the game where they show your nemesis orc, so to speak, but it just, it felt more like I was crafting an antagonistic story with this character, mm-hmm. as opposed to the, the, the game world itself, like, deriving this story for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, it's it's moments like that. It's, like, moments where you develop almost quasi-relationships with some of these orc captains, antagonistic as they may be, that you kind of, like, fill in the blanks yourself. There's no cutscenes, there's no details, it's just, this motherfucker has screwed me over so many times, I want him all the way dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about, like, XCOM, right? Like, uh, XCOM, the story is super thin. Um, mm. Earth is being invaded. We gotta fight aliens. Let's mm-hmm. go. Right? Uh, and so, like, XCOM really is basically just a bunch of side missions, and it's, like, alien murder simulator the game. Yeah. Well, and, like, all of those the story, the, the quote-unquote story missions of XCOM are usually my least favorite ones to do. Right. They're they're very forced, and it's yeah. like I, re- I really don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one no one in XCOM ever remembers the story mission where they had to save such and such, but they do remember the time when their uh, soldier freaked the fuck out and killed two squaddies. Like you mm-hmm. remember the, the weird stuff that happens procedurally in your own game, as opposed to the things that are dictated to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which uh, I guess kind of tying that back to Darkest Dungeon a little bit. It seems like games that are procedurally driven, procedurally backed, usually do a really good job of uh, of, of providing sort of. St- story abilities for the actual player themselves. That's that's one of the reasons why I'm actually really excited to try Darkest Dungeon, because it seems like you guys give a good chance to sort of create your own narrative a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, no, we're definitely, like, the best narratives you're going to see in the game are going to be your mm-hmm. your own things. Yeah. Um, we, we are going to do a... We are going to have, like, plot quests, mm-hmm. story missions, um, and those are going to kind of gate you in that when you get to a certain level of experience mm-hmm. in a dungeon, then we're going to say, okay, well, if you want to keep playing, you're going to have to go kill this boss in this dungeon. Yeah. Then we're going to open it up again. So, And and our narrative is going to most likely be through narration and maybe like transcripts. Yeah. Like We're not doing cinematics um, throughout the game, at least anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I guess if we do really well, then we'll have ball and cinematics. Yeah, the player narratives are super strong, and it's why you remember. Mm-hmm. Um and to be fair, I'm not saying that games that tell a story themselves are bad. Like I think I'm the biggest. Yeah, we all know this, that on this podcast. <laughs> of, I I like games that tell me a good story. I just mm-hmm. think sometimes the best stories are the ones that the play the game allows the player to make themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Games are all beautiful snowflakes. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, Matt, it's like I mean, you. <clears throat> I feel like a lot of games try and go in both directions, and that's a failure. Like 
Half-Life and Half-Life 2 are crazy linear games, right? Mm -hmm. That have very good storylines that are told in a very good way, um, but there's no side quests. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the reason that, like, uh, I feel like the games with a bunch of side quests really detract from their main story is that I have a very hard time getting any momentum behind that storyline when I'm constantly distracted by, like, the little baubles that the story, uh, that the side quests offer me. So, like, uh, I think about games like Spec Ops that had one really tight linear storyline and nothing else. And those are games that I think are fantastic purely for their narrative. Um, but there's also games on the other side of that equation that don't have a, a built-in narrative that are fantastic, right? Like, Civilization has no built-in narrative that I spend hours playing games like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I think you you need to go one way or the other. I think the games that try and force a strong story and a, like, a lot of side quests, games like Assassin's Creed, they really just bore me to tears after a little while. I can see that a little bit. Assassin's Creed is, I feel like it overfills itself somewhat. Gotta sell that but, lumber to Boston. There, there's nothing forcing <laughs> you to do all of it, too, though. Uh, you're right. Like, you are right. But I feel like I'm not the only one who, when I see a quest marker... I feel compelled to go and do it. Yeah, it's it's like a it's it's a lower brain thing, right? Where it's like, oh, there's this fucking task I need to do. You gotta paint the whole world red or whatever. Yeah, right. Exactly. What if I can get a cool new weapon or, or animation out of this? Cool you new weapon know. I'm not gonna use. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I yeah I I I understand it. Uh, you just don't like it. Well, like, but to me though, playing in a big RPG world. And, like, really fucking around and becoming super powerful. Like, that is what I like to do in those games. So I'm not going to really begrudge it if it gives me more chances to show how much of a badass I am inside of this game. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the weirder parts of uh, Shadow Mordor for me is it it lets you get into hairy situations. Like, oh, totally. It, it doesn't really ease you in difficulty-wise. Like, if you see the quest marker and you're like, okay, I'll go kill the warchief, and you mm. can't because you're not high enough level, it doesn't tell you anything to do. It yeah. just, you have to kind of figure that out by yeah. doing them, and everything's kind of like a side quest. Yeah. Like, they don't vary that much. If um, if anything, I feel like the difficulty curve for Shadow of Mordor is somewhat inverted. Like, the game is super difficult at the beginning, yeah. but just once you have more and more powers and more and more understanding of how the game works, you just get you just start trucking fools yeah. by the end of that game. I will give you this. In an open-world game, it is a lot harder to create a smooth difficulty curve. Yeah. I find I'm constantly, like, destroying the curve. Uh, just because, like, I like to do all this shit, too. Right? And then you go back to your main thread, whatever the story is. Like, Skyrim is a perfect example of that, where I had finished everything and pretty much maxed my character before I started doing the main quest. And it was so trivially easy, I just didn't do the main quest. Mm. Yeah, that's that's what I did in Fallout 3. I, mm. I spent I, I did like all the side quests building my uh my Kenshiro character. Yeah. Uh and then I went back and did the main quests, and I was so overpowered by that time that mm. I, I was able to like kill all of the super mutants in DC with my bare hands yeah. in my in my leather armor. So you had become Kenshiro. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. just I I was the fist of the North Star. God. Right. But, like, <laughs> that means you, you probably spent, I'm going to guess, 60-plus hours doing that. Oh, it was, right? like, 75 hours. It was also right. max difficulty. Right, exactly. So, like, if a game has tricked you into playing it for almost 100 hours, right, right. it seems kind of, like, silly to be 
oh, but of those 100 hours, there was, like, maybe five of those where I was too powerful and, like, I just didn't want to play it anymore, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's, like... It's it's a little it's really just frustrating when I feel like there should be more to the the main story. Like when I mm. finally go back to it, it only takes me like two or three hours to complete because yeah. of all that side quest stuff. And that's mm. that's what happened with Fallout Three. I was like, okay, I should really go do this this main quest, and then it was over like instantly. Yeah, and that would that was really uh, like below my expectations from having played Fallout One and Two. So yeah, no, that's true. That's. You want like a main quest that's gonna kick your ass, unless if you uh, you pay attention. But like, it's right. just impossible to do that in an open world. Yeah, if yeah, you also want to have that experience of doing all the side quests and getting all the god armor. Like, yeah, if you do that first and then do the main quest and still expect it to be difficult, that'd be pretty difficult to figure out. Yeah, though every game needs to let you finish all the side stuff after the main story. Yeah, yes. I always do the main story, and when Fallout Three originally released. It's right, like, you're like, dead. It, it did not dead. do that. And you're like, hey, you only have one save. Sorry. Yeah, you're fucked. Right. Whoops. You're done. Yeah. Um, and I always really appreciate when they're like, hey, it's the last mission. We're not going to be able to come back from this. Like, if you want to do all the side stuff, now's the time. Or, yeah. like, in the case of Infamous 2, when you finish that game, it just jumps you back yeah. to the mission before, and it's like, okay, do whatever now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have fun. Yeah. Well, that's like what Fallout 2 does is... um. You you like the the last mission or the last part of the game doesn't start until you get on that boat, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and then there's like there's not really any coming back from the boat. So it's like I'll just finish all this other stuff before I get on the boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Fallout Three taught a lot of other games that you need to have that sort of uh, disclaimer moment, so to speak, before the final mission, saying like this is the point of no return. Like, you'll be able to do side quest stuff either after or you should save before doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, I think most games do that now. Like, this isn't really yeah. spoilers, but Shadow of Mordor does that, for example. Okay, cool. Yeah, is when you get to the last mission, it basically says, like, this is the big last main mission. Like, you can come back and do the side quest stuff after. We'll let you do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, if you want to get all the stuff done before doing the end of the game, this is going to be the end of the game. Cool. Yeah. The, the other problem is when they try to narratively, like, they drop a bunch of hints, like... Just beware, like, this could be the final battle, and we not, might not be coming from this, because there were a lot of people, and we talked about this before, who just, like, don't read or care about that, <laughs> and are going to avoid it, and then those are going to be the people going onto your forum or whatever, and saying that you released a broken piece of shit game, right? Uh, because it didn't tell you that this is the end, you know? Yeah. And it's not that you didn't tell us, it's that you can't fucking read. Yeah, Exactly. But, like, that's not going to change the fact that now there are people super pissed off that, like, their characters aren't perfect or whatever. Their story experience wasn't exactly the way. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. People are always going to be unhappy, though. That's just kind of the way video games work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. So did you play anything on your whirlwind traveling? Okay, I uh, played two games. I mm-hmm. played uh, 2048, where you match numbers together and you make larger numbers. And uh, <laughs> I was playing that... And I had a terrible feeling because it was it was very fun, right? That's what you call it. Games yeah. are, are fun sometimes. Games can be entertaining. Right. And sometimes I forget that while I'm, like, doing the taxes for, like, some medieval archduke. <laughs> uh, and then I kind of had that thought where I was like, what's the point of doing anything in this world if I can just have the same amount of fun in pleasure by moving these like blocks around randomly. And like, I really thought about it for a second and I uninstalled 2048. So that's the end of that. Uh, <laughs> have, have you, uh, have you played threes? 
So, like, the thing, the thing is, like, I, I actually know that 2048 is a ripoff of Threes, and I know that, like, the guy who made 2048 is kind of a dick, Yeah, but I couldn't use Google Wallet or whatever to pay oh. in China <laughs> for Threes, so I just got 2048 to see what the deal was, and was like, oh, great, like, this thing. Uh, did that for, I don't know, a lot of hours. I don't know how many hours. When you're traveling and you're just, like, on a bus or a plane yeah. for a while you you play some games i blew through a ton of books too so that was good um and then the only other thing was uh you may not know this actually you probably do know this because china has their great firewall uh which you can actually very easily get around uh and plenty of nice people will tell you exactly how to get around it thanks <laughs> china i didn't have any access to steam except for the games that i had on my laptop while i was there so that means the other games i played were about five minutes of Pac-Man Champion Edition DX Plus. Good game. Good it's, game. It's great. It's awesome. I booted that up, played around, and was like, yeah, I'm good. And then uh, I played some more FTL. And, uh, great game. Yeah, unlocked uh, another ship. I'm missing like two now, total. So, good stuff. Like two variants. I have all of the ships. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's good. It's a fun game. It's still a fun game, and it's a really easy game to play when you're like super jet lag. That's a, yeah. It's a fan. It's one of those really good like I'm either sick or crazy hungover games. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Where you're just like I can't do anything, but I can definitely command this ship. Oh yeah, definitely. It's it's not like an XCOM type game where uh, uh, if you are commanding while hungover or drunk, someone's going to die. Your your men are going to die. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's still a very hard game, but. Like, I've gotten to the point where, like, I just kind of know heuristically, like, what the decisions to make are in any situation, so I don't have to think about it very You know deeply. all the best yeah. tree decisions yeah. sort of to make? Yeah, okay. exactly. So, uh, still fun. Bill, you played anything? Uh, I've been playing uh, a Beyond, uh, Civilization Five Beyond Earth. Ooh, okay. Uh, Is it actually called Civilization Five? I, I, I think it's like Sid Meier's Civilization colon Beyond Earth. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. But um, uh, I, I got the demo of it originally, so this was I was very happy uh, that this was actually an option. Uh, it was kind of like going back to the 90s. Uh, but I was, I was able to download the demo of the game on Steam mm-hmm. um, and play, like, the first hundred turns um, yep. of, of a game with, like, yeah. a particular uh, Interesting, yeah. set, like, set, of, set of settings. And because uh, I had read all these, like, uh, negative reviews of the game. About it, like lacking character, or like not being a big enough change from Civilization Five, or all of these things. Mm-hmm. And I, so I was a little bit wary about it. So I got the demo. I played a hundred turns of it, and it was totally fucking fine. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know what people were actually expecting, but um, I bought the full game, and I played. I, I must have played like eight hours of this yesterday. Mm-hmm. Just right, like I in a row, I, like you're you're going through your civil. Yeah, I just, I played, I set it to marathon, and I just played for, mm-hmm. like, solid eight hours. Nice. And all the things that, like, uh, bother me about Civ Five and Civ Four are um, largely mitigated. Mm-hmm. Like, I always had a really hard time um, with uh, timeline stuff. Yeah. Where, like, I, w- I would get really frustrated with myself, like, if I didn't have a certain technology by the year it was actually invented. <laughs> I-, I would do that <laughs> a lot, too, actually. Like... like like not having the printing press until like 1800 was not acceptable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
So like I, that that stuff would all and it was really stupid, but that stuff would always frustrate me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's like um, because it's it's in this random time period in a random location with like yeah. non real players, right? You, you're playing like the Pan Asian Alliance and shit like this. Yeah, you don't feel bounded by history. I, I don't feel bounded by real world stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's there's other things that uh, bother me about Civ Four and Civ Five, like um. I feel like I'm always playing in the medieval and like Renaissance period in civilization. Yep, that's true. Because like that's as far as I can get before I'm just like fuck it, I got to do something else with my day. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so I never get to play any of the like uh, end game stuff, right? With like um, I never get to play anything with like aircraft carriers or like any mm-hmm. of that stuff. Uh, but that's where Beyond Earth starts, mm-hmm. right? So you start with like modern uh, weaponry. You start with marines and like rocket launchers and like tactical jets that have to be based in certain locations and shit like that. Uh, so it starts there. So it's it's a lot more fun to play that stuff in like a beginning game environment um, instead of waiting, playing like ten hours of it to get to that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I've I've had a perfectly fine time with it. It seems unique to me. Like the tech tree has been turned into a web instead mm-hmm. of that like a really cool. yeah a linear tree. Um, the, uh, the way you, like, the way you set up your, your, um, your player seems pretty unique. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like there's a lot of different ways that you could set things up. I'm sure there's, like, an optimal one that everyone will use, but it I don't look into that yet. kind of stuff. The game so. hasn't been solved yet. Yeah. And I'll have to go in there and solve the game. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, had a, I had a really good time yesterday, and it's, um, I, I didn't feel like I was, uh, something I always felt in Civ four and five was that I was um, falling behind. Mm. Like if I didn't have certain technologies by certain turn counts or certain years in the game, I would feel like I was falling behind. So I'd be like, okay, well I got to start over because this is, you know, and now I'm playing a losing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, I didn't, I didn't feel that way playing this because it's changed enough that I don't know what a losing game looks like. So <laughs> have you, have you completed a full game yet? I haven't. No. Okay. Um, so just a few things as I wouldn't say that I'm the only person who just loves Civ, but uh You're maybe our heaviest Civ user. I, yes. On the I, team. I could be the, the heaviest Civ user. Um just a few things in terms of reviews and stuff like that. I find that it's very hard to gauge the actual quality of a civilization game based on professional reviewers. And the reason why is when most people play a game of civilization uh, like most reviewers, they'll play it once or twice to kind of get the feel of it, and they'll go, yeah, okay, like, it has these kinds of characteristics, which is totally fine, because mm-hmm. a lot of people will play that game it's enough for, It's enough to make a cogent purchasing decision. Right. But, like, people who really get into Civ, and I know, Bill, you've been there, Mike's been there, I've been there, like, the most minute details become so incredibly important. So I knew exactly what you were saying about being behind in the tech tree, and that's yeah. one of the most annoying parts of playing high-level Civ is you are always behind everyone else in terms of technology just because they have such huge multipliers over you. So, like, you're constantly in this position of weakness and you're trying to burst through. You have, like, a lucky shot or two. And, like you were saying, uh, if you are past, like, the Renaissance Age and you don't have a dominant position, like, you're fucked. Like, it's over. If you're playing a very high-level game. So... When I'm hearing all these, like, reviews talking about, like, oh, it's not, like, different enough from Civ Five or whatever, I'm wondering to myself, 
is that because superficially they have a sim like similar UI and like similar mechanics, but they don't appreciate the actual like true differences. The like minute the tech details way. put into yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. That iterate over time, and you realize like, oh, right, because we have these more powerful alien factions or whatever. Like it actually does change the game. It's oh, one yeah, of those, the, yeah. The, the aliens replacing the barbarians. Yeah. Uh, is actually like, like I find it really like um the barbarian stuff was always very boring or annoying. In yeah, game. it's kind of like taking out the trash. Yeah, like barbarians were there like for me to extract gold or culture from them. Yeah. Um but now these aliens are like uh there's like alien nests and shit and there's mm-hmm. these siege worms that just kind of like lurk outside your town, like they'll lurk outside your yeah, your and steal borders. Your spice or whatever, I'm sure. Uh <laughs> yeah. Making it making it really hard for you to like get out of there. Mhm. But they won't like come in and raid you, yeah. Uh, which is something that barbarians always used to do. Yeah. So it's like you know, and, and your your starter military units are not enough to kill the siege worms. Mm-hmm. Like so, basically, you're sitting there just like shooting at them with your city for ten or fifteen turns mm-hmm. until you kill one of them, and like just trying to sneak units out of your city, which I think is like a lot more entertaining than the existing barbarian mechanic. Yeah. Okay. And if you choose certain paths down that game too, you can eventually have the alien life forms fight alongside you, right? You can kind of eventually co-opt them to be you working could ride with the you. Worm. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if you if you find if you find like hunting aliens to be something you're interested in, you can like uh, take a bunch of traits and affinities in the game so that like you get benefits out of killing aliens explicitly, mm-hmm. um, and gain a lot out of just like going around and destroying aliens instead of um, like having to go fight other um, groups of people. Okay, one more point I will make, just noting that I have not played Beyond Earth. Uh, and it's kind of a shitty thing to say, because it's an excuse that fanboys always use. <laughs> Civilization, all of them, basically, they start out alright, and then over time, as there are more and more things added to them, they become great. Like, Civilization Four, the original version without any of the expansion packs, is a good game. But it's nowhere near the game that, like, Beyond, uh, sorry, what is it, Beyond the Sword? Uh, like, the last expansion pack is. And from everything I've been told about Civ Five, it actually has been a ma- uh, major improvement over the original game. And it just makes it a more complex game. Hmm. Uh, and so it's one of those things where we'll have to wait and see where we're coming from with here. Is Beyond Earth a standalone? Yes. Yeah, yeah it's standalone. Kind of a supposedly Alpha Centauri-esque kind of it sounds a lot like dune actually it sounds like they're just making dune as far as close as they can get it to be yeah stings in it yeah Ooh. perfect that's all i've ever and, wanted from my strategy games and do you leave the planet um, like, do you like do you leave the planet that you're on uh, so it, you start on an alien planet oh okay so it's not like interplanet I, I, relationships yeah it sounds like you're colonizing the planet and you have yeah so like it's it's supposed to be like one of the one of the end game situations in in civ games has always been to like construct an interstellar like colony ship yeah Uh, and if you do that you win and so i I, what my impression is is like this is supposed to be like the the like ship arriving um like all these cultures from the civ like a civ 5 game arriving at Mm -hmm. some planet to colonize it Mm -hmm. and just kind of continuing um, fucking nuking each other. Just continuing their conquest. Mm-hmm. Can you just nuke fools in this game? Um, I haven't gotten any of that tech yet. Okay. Because I only I only play on marathon mode. Because I 
I haven't played Civ in a very long time, and my lasting memories of Civilization was when I was a kid playing Civ two, and then just nuking the bejesus out of everybody to see mm-hmm. sort of what like the resulting geopolitical scenario would be afterwards. Yeah, yeah that was a lot of it's, fun. It's so hard to nuke people to death in that game. Mm-hmm. You like can, you can just nuke them angry. That's all I've yeah, ever found. You do like irreparable damage to the game world by nuking and to your like political relations. Yeah, but like. <laughs> It's so hard to like actually nuke a culture into destruction in civilization. I've seen like, some you, pretty good strategies where you uh, you drop a bunch of nukes on a city to like destroy all their stacks or whatever, and then you start yeah. like para dropping people in. Right. <laughs> so, like you have you have to go in with uh, you have to go in with uh, troops afterwards and like kill the survivors. Yeah, exactly. It's fucked up. That's yeah. some dark shit, man. Jesus. It's pretty good. It's so, a pretty good game. So on the lighter side, like, what's the best cultural thing in the game? Like, is a robot concert something you can get for your civilization? Yeah. Or no, I, I haven't gotten to that. Tell point me about yet. future so, like, music. The, the version, the uh, like, the game mode that I always play. I play marathon mode, which is like a a twenty five hundred turn game. Oh God. Yeah. Um. And so, like that, I, I, you know, when I say I play for like eight hours, I mean I played like a thousand turns, which means I was only like halfway through the game. Mm-hmm. So I, I haven't gotten any of the end game stuff yet. Well, it's not. It's yeah, because I always like that about Civ Five or Civ Four. I can't remember which one, but it's like I got Broadway. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That's that's always the best part for me mm-hmm. is the the like, wonders and stuff like that. Those yeah. are always so cool. I will say that there's like kind of a learning curve. Yeah. Because, like, there's all this stuff about the other Civ games that I know already. Yeah. Right? Like, I know what the pyramids do. Mm-hmm. Right? I know I know <laughs> what the wonders are. Right? Um, yeah, but I don't know what any of this shit is anymore. So it's like, mm. I actually have to do a bunch of reading. Yeah, or, there's, an, there's an element of novelty to all this, too, because you don't necessarily know what's going to come from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's, that seems kind of cool. Is the narrator the same? Still Leonard uh, Nimoy? I, I, had it, I had it muted so I could oh, watch man. TV. I think it was Ron Perlman in five. It's four was Leonard Nimoy, yeah. which was great. Him doing uh, the Sputnik is pretty beeps. good. That was pretty yeah. good. Uh, and then I think it was Ron Perlman. That sounds familiar, actually. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I have no idea who does Beyond Earth though. Mm. If it was uh, a robot, that would be yeah. cool. You playing anything else, Bill? Uh, I mean, I'm still playing that Clicker Heroes, but uh, oh, other God. than that, mm-hmm. uh, I I got Glad off. Glad I uh, avoided that. You missed oh, all of that, shit. didn't you? Yeah, I like, did like not. Stem to stern. It. Yeah, I'm kind of jealous. Yeah, no, I I got away from it. What actually happened is like all the cookies on my internet browser got deleted for some reason, and so I just mm-hmm. lost my entire file. And I spent like three hours trying to hack together like a like a possible simulacrum of where exactly I was in the game until I just had kind of the moment you had you were talking about earlier, where I just stared into the abyss and I was just like. This is the worst thing I've ever done in my life. This and is more to, pointless than most of the actions I take. Yeah, and I had to quit out, cancel it. I haven't gone back. It's just it's gone now. It's done I, forever. I'm, I'm trying to get to the point like where I got with Cookie Clicker, where I I just I could just fucking stop myself. <laughs> Do you know what Clicker Heroes is? No, I, I imagine it's not the same as our earlier Cookie topics. Um, no, no, it was not. <laughs> I'm off the click. That's all I can really say about that. Mm-hmm. Um, That's good. As for what I've been playing, I'm almost done Sunset Overdrive. Uh, it's a, a lot of fun. It's a really good game. Uh, I think I've kind of made my feelings clear on it in past episodes. But uh, yeah, if you're interested in something that's dumb as hell and is just like fun video games, you should check it out if you have an Xbox One. Is it your favorite Insomniac game? Um, I think it's because 
like they did they did Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. What else have they done other than that? Resistance. Oh yeah, they were the Resistance guys. Um, I think I like it better than Resistance. Yeah. That's that's a way of saying you don't like Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a way of saying I've never played Ratchet and Clank. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah no, I have I have no opinions good or bad about Ratchet and Clank. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have played all the Resistance games, and I like them. I think I like this better. This game is just super kinetic and fun and dumb, and it feels kind of like Jet Set Radio Future if cool. you had guns, which I'm kind of into. Mm. Yeah. So that's a lot of fun. Um, I played a lot of horror games on Friday. I had a number of people on uh, on our stream just kind of going through a after-Halloween horror stream jurnt. Uh, mm. Ended up playing a lot of Slender anyone's ever played slender the arrival on here i don't think anyone's played slender really because you just walk around and wait for something to kill you oh yeah more or less yeah that's not really a game it's like uh have you played the movie halloween (laughs) (laughs) oh my god is there's probably like an nes uh like movie adaptation of halloween Oh, it probably is. It probably oh, has really that... good music too. There is a really famous bad NES game for uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that game's kind of awesome in a really horrible way. Mm-hmm. First open world game, not really. Um, yeah, I played a lot of Slender, which I actually enjoy. Um, mm. Peanut Gallery protestations, notwithstanding. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, Slender: The Arrival is it's based on the original like free Slender game, Slender: mm-hmm. The Eight Pages. Uh, it got a bit of a narrative based on the the mythological figure that is causing little girls to kill each other or whatever. Yep, based on the the internet urban legend that the is meme. a scary, yeah, morph suit wearing meme. man in a suit. Yeah. yeah, it's popular with the kids. Oh yeah, yeah. kids love Slender. Yeah, oh, I think yeah, they they really do. I think it's kind of interesting. I think uh, if you look at the weird sociology behind it all and that it's like an entirely internet created urban legend there's kind of a lot to it that was like um when i when i when i did summer school in uh in la and i taught seventh seventh grade Mm -hmm. um so it was seventh grade in the hood in la and Mm -hmm. so like none of these kids spoke a word of fucking english Uh, but they all loved slender hell yeah and I was like, ah, that makes sense. Like, seventh graders are probably terrified of fucking Slenderman. <laughs> yeah, because he looks like a white dude in a business suit. That's fucking right. terrifying. He, he looked like me. Yeah. Uh, You're the so, enemy. So it exists outside of the video games, or do all these kids like the video games? Um, so it originally started as sort of like a, a just a general internet meme, and then people have gone off on it. There's like a very popular YouTube web series um on Slenderman, which Marble I used to, Hornets, I believe. Marble Hornets, I used to watch, yeah. and I kind of fell off of it. Mar- Marble Hornets is, uh, is is really well put together. It was a uh, Slenderman originated in a um a, like a something awful Photoshop Friday thread. Oh, okay. Where people were photoshopping this like weird creature into the background of like uh, playgrounds and shit like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then the that- narrative built up around it, and it's just kind of taken on steam from then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Has any actual feature film come out yet about Slenderman? Uh, no. Like, it's gotta be a matter of time until that happens. He's, he's oh, yeah, like definitely. any other... He, he's completely... He's literally faceless. He's indistinguishable from any other, like, shitty... But he's, like, eight uh, feet tall and he's got tendrils. Spooky. Yeah. yeah. That's some spooky shit. <laughs> I mean, he's he's the boogeyman, right? Like, that's what he... Yeah. Is. Basically. But, like, that's 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 the thing about, like folkloric monsters is like uh they're, they're not really anything except something that like comes and gets you in the night mm-hmm. just just like in the video game yeah so slender the arrival is a fun game if you uh enjoy powerless horror video games yeah i also played a bit of outlast which is more or less the same thing is outlast, outlast isn't on uh, ipad is it no it's it's it, i can't imagine it would be it's a 
PC only. No, I think it's on consoles. It's on, it's as on well. PS4 as well. It's part of PlayStation. Which one Plus. is Outlast? Outlast, you are playing a journalist who in gets, a mental asylum. Yeah, you get a hot tip that there's some crazy stuff going on in a mental institution. I, okay, let me guess with my brain power. Okay. You're actually a patient of that mental asylum. Uh, I haven't beat it yet, so I can't okay. either confirm nor deny. Yeah, I can't right. confirm or deny. Is, is, is the, the hot game... tip come from your own brain? Is that what happened? May- maybe. I okay. don't know. Is the game actually about ethics and journalism? Yeah. <sighs> yes, actually. Fun fact. There you go. No, uh, it's a fun game. Uh, it gets real into the, the dirty parts pretty fast. Like, I would say dirty too parts. fast. Well, yeah. Uh, within about Rap an hour, music mostly. Within about an hour and a half, you get put down to like the deeper realms of this mental institution, and there are two dudes who are just stark naked, like, oh, t- telling you that they're going to eat your heart and your liver, and like when they're naked, they're naked. Like, there's no, mm-hmm. there's no tasteful hiding. It's just there's the dick right there. Yeah, yeah. And mm. they're just now hunting and chasing you. Sounds to kill like you. a fun Friday. Yeah, it's a great Friday. Yeah. Is there a combat in it? No, no combat at all. You Maybe. are running and you're hiding the entire time. How are the dick physics? Uh, they don't really wobble. It's it's pretty okay. stationary. How does it compare to that uh, stack your friends game? Oh no, there's a lot <laughs> to stack really, your that's friends. A good, that's a good game. Yeah, oh, that's real good. There's a lot of wobble and stack your friends. That's yeah. my favorite horror game. Yeah, yeah. I it's it's it caused me to have some good conversations about what makes a horror game good. Like playing through uh, these and a bunch of other horror games as well. Mm-hmm. Have you played PT? Uh, no, I haven't. I really want to, but I don't have a PS4. You like walking around. Yeah, I think I would. Have I got a game for you? I think I would really enjoy PT, and that by enjoy I mean it would make me like scream and cry like a child. Um, There's a lot of jumps you'll need to make to finish it, so I kind of like played through it, and then there's like a sequence of eight things you need to do to. I've um, heard there's a weird video game only logic that you need to like prescribe to before you can beat that game. Yeah. Yeah, so I just looked it up and just got through it. It's probably like the right thing to do. Yeah. Or any of those games where, like, it's a puzzle that the whole community has to solve or whatever. Like, after the first week, when it's fully solved, you might yeah, as well just yeah. look it up. Do you play horror games all that much, Kier? Um, I, I do. Uh, I don't play too many horror games that are about walking around. Um, okay. Like, I enjoy Dead Space. I enjoy Dead Space 2 more than Dead Space 1. Okay. You like um, to have a little agency in your horror game? Yeah. Uh, I I think my favorite one would be um, that Silent Hill Shattered Memories. Yeah, that was for the Wii, right? Wii one, yeah. I really enjoyed that game, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing and doesn't do combat and 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 does a good job of just, like, narratively keeping me interested. But, um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't play, like, I don't play as... It's, it seems like if you look at the last 10 years, historically speaking, from Resident Evil 4 on, a lot of horror games took this path of it became far more action-oriented, mm-hmm. which isn't a bad thing necessarily. I think Resident Evil 4 and 5 are great games. I think Dead Space was one of the best games of last generation. Wait, did you just say Resident Evil 5 is a great game? Yeah, I like Resident Evil 5. I'm just going to throw something out there. You can strafe? Kind of ruins Resident Evil 4 and 5, being able mm-hmm. to know Are you that. sure you're not talking about Resident Evil 4? I'm talking about Resident Evil 4, and Resident Evil 5 was basically the same thing as 4. Resident Evil 6 was the bad one. I remember watching you play Resident Evil 5 and then, like, joking that, like, you were, like, in the jungle or something like that. And I joked that, like, oh, now you're going to have to kill all these natives or whatever. And then almost immediately afterwards, like, a guy jumped out and went ooga booga and, like, threw a spear at you. Yeah, that was a little bit, bit, um, on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. I I enjoyed Resident Evil 4. I just, my my favorite thing about Resident Evil 5 was, uh, my friend and I, Stayed up like all night playing the co-op mode of that game mm-hmm. of uh, of five, 
and we got to the part where there's like that stupid light and mirror puzzle. Yep. Mm. Um, and we were like trying to figure this thing out. It's not a hard puzzle, but we like we kept incinerating one of us. And then we realized that it wasn't designed for co-op. You're just supposed to have one person stand in the fucking corner and do nothing while yeah. the other person solves the puzzle. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, that right there is some lazy motherfucking design. That's video yeah. games right there. Yeah. But it seems like horror for a long time took this more action-oriented path, precipitated, I would argue, on Resident Evil 4. And it seems like it wasn't until Amnesia came out, I guess Penumbra came out before Amnesia, where this idea of helplessness as a horror game kind of came into the fore. And that's the stuff that I really like. Mm-hmm. I like the, the sort of horror games that they give you a lot of access and a lot of uh, like personal agency, but they make you feel very helpless. Stuff like Amnesia, Outlast does it. Games where you can't fight back, so to speak. Games where you're fighting something that will win if you don't try to get out of there. It's for things like that that I'm really excited for when the Oculus Rift or the Morpheus come out. I think there's going to be some really pants-shittingly horrifying games that come out mm-hmm. with like that complete immersion. Okay, so what is the difference between those games and all those stealth sequences you don't like? Oh... Um, I feel like a good horror game gives you the opportunity where if you're caught, it's not necessarily like a game over state. And it's, it's one of those things where, but like if you're caught in amnesia, like you're, you're a gunner pretty much like you can run around, but if you're caught in like a a supply closet, like you're fucked. But those games, they, they make you have to play in in a a sense where you're, you're scared to continue going and there's, there's an atmosphere of tension and, and slow pace and, and, fear to it was mm-hmm. opposed to things like assassin's creed like you just kind of get bored like it's not as if you're being stealthy because you want to be super stealthy like That's you just kind point. of you eventually lose it after a while or you don't give a shit or it gets kind of the point where like well i could just fucking kill all these guys in every stealth game there usually is a point where you could just say fuck it and kill everyone mm-hmm. there's it's a it's a thematic thing i think in horror games that kind of bring it to a different level okay yeah so are you gonna play uh, alien isolation I want to, yeah. Right. Uh, I've heard a lot of mixed things about it, most of the fact that it's like 20 hours long, and I don't have that kind of lifestyle anymore. But it seems neat, and I want to give it a shot. I really don't. Don't give me that look. <laughs> how how long did you play Shadows of Mordor? 10 hours? 10 hours? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to get you. You're going to find me? You're <laughs> yeah, going to find I'm something? Gonna, I'm going to trip you up, man. This is like the You're on fucking watch. Fucking hopped up gaming over here. Yeah. Well, Assassin's Creed Unity comes out soon, so that, that'll probably be your avenue. Oh shit! You're gonna you're gonna play that game? Probably, yeah. Oh god, yeah. you're not gonna go back down the Assassin's Creed. People are hole, streaming are it. Yeah, in France. Oh really? Oh, this man. weekend, people are breaking embargoes. Damn. <laughs> Twitch had to put up a thing uh, relatively recently saying if you're streaming games that aren't out yet, we can we're probably gonna close down your stream. Yeah, like, and uh, also I can't whip my dick out on Twitch anymore. What's the point? No, exactly. Yeah, yeah Twitch is no longer for why, you. Why, why Twitch is growing up. If you want to play Assassin's Creed Unity topless, and then you got to go somewhere Although else. Although it, it was funny because I I heard about the terms of use uh, stuff that change while I was over overseas. Mm-hmm. And I went over twitch.tv and I went to the top or whatever and literally there were there were nine like screens available and seven of them were breasty women with like uh webcams going down into their breasts and in the side a tiny thing of League of Legends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well the, the terms of service change, you gotta Yeah, get yeah, it. exactly. You gotta make you gotta um, make hay with the sunshines, yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. All right. That's all I really got for today. Anything mm-hmm. else on your end? No, not really. Hit me up. Text me. 
Uh, <laughs> Is that for the audience? Yeah, like, yeah, that's that's for the audience. Like, uh, <laughs> send your hot tips via text message. Yeah, if you want pro gamer tips, send it to hoppedupgaming at gmail dot com. So on that note, uh, this has been another episode of Hopped Up Gaming, mm. uh, your favorite podcast about utter nonsense. I don't even know. We tweet us tweet us pictures of your balls. Yeah. A plonk, and, please? I would like to see some photos. You can't bring that up if you haven't explained what plonking is. Let's oh, not do that. Can I just, like, can I just explain Look it what up. it is right now? Dorito it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, use your bing to Dorito that Mountain Dew. <laughs> so in Australia, the, the top story of the moment <laughs> is uh, oh, no, one sorry. of their members of Parliament had uh, made a naughty picture of himself uh, through what what is called plonking. Which is where you, you take your balls, uh, two of them normally, and you drop them into a, ball, a bottle of wine, sorry, a glass of wine, and it makes a plonking noise. So he had done this, and then he was very proud of what he had done, so he took a photo of it and sent it to his mistress, and his mistress was like, yeah, that actually is really funny, it'd be even funnier if the, the whole world knew about it. So uh, she shared that photo with everyone, and uh, he has just resigned, and... It was a really great moment. A really great moment in Australian politics, I think, for uh, a foreigner to experience, was I, all of the, the newspaper headlines talking about what plonking was and uh, how this guy was a daft cunt or whatever. Because uh, you can totally say that in Australia. I think so. Like, maybe? Uh, bloody? I don't, I don't know if you got a pass. Yeah, brecky. All, all of the words are dumb, too, just by the way. <laughs> like, an electrician is a sparky... Uh, and I don't like, know what anything you're saying are right now. Yeah, yeah, I know, cause, cause I'm speaking baby words to you. Okay. I'm sorry to our Austra- Australian uh, listeners. Contingent. Yeah, uh, but some of your words are really dumb. Okay, it's it's fine for you to call soccer football, but don't call it footy. Footy is a different thing. Footy is like all of the ball sports. I was at a footy game. Two footy games, even. Okay. And drank a lot of beer. As you want to do, yeah, yeah, which is what you do in Australia. Mm-hmm. Just drink a lot of beer and watch footy. I, I really, I really need one of these politicians to just not resign. Yeah, and just like things happens, go I, for it, whole hog. Oh, that isn't just, that Rob just be Ford. like, just be like, yeah. hey, fuck it, I've got two years left in my term, live with it. Yeah, <laughs> we rolling. Like Im- Im- impeach me, motherfucker. Yeah, on try what rounds. Oh, I gotta end this. All right, this is another episode of Hopped Up Game, our podcast about horror games, video game design, and plonking, and plonking, and politics plonk. about putting your balls in wine. The politics of plonk. Yeah, we're on uh, iTunes. We're a number of other podcast directories. Uh, my new my my new name is Max Plonk. Is Max Plonk? Max, Max Plonk. All right, signing yeah. off is is Max Plonk. Yeah, thank uh, you. We have a Twitter at Hopped Up Gaming. We got a Facebook group. Come at us. We got an email hoppedupgaming at gmail dot com. Uh, we got another bunch of cool projects coming up uh, that we'll probably be talking about more in the future. I think that's everything. Uh, Kier, you want to give a shout-out to uh, Darkest Dungeon? Uh, DarkestDungeon.com, Darkest Dungeon on Twitter. You can find send, me on Twitter at, at Kier Myron. Uh, we're not soliciting any images of people. All right. That's the smart decision. <laughs> that's fine. There's we no are. accidentally tweeted plonking images. Yeah. You shouldn't. Yeah. God damn it. All right. Yeah. Thanks, you guys, for another fruitful episode. Thank you for mm-hmm. coming back, man. Thank you for coming in, Kier. <laughs> Anytime. We know what they make out of fruit. Yeah, wine. 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 You know what you can do with wine. Plonk. And QX. I'm, I'm changing my name to Vern Plonk. <laughs> <laughs>